Hello, and welcome to the Christwalk Church Podcast. That was it? Really? Like we built to this point in the service, and I got, Let's try that again. What's up, 11 o'clock? is everybody doing today? Here we are in week two of, um, of our, of our two-service schedule, and I am just so excited about all the things that God is doing in and through Christ Walk Church and the way that he is using this place um, and its people to make such a difference in our community and all of the, the signs of life change and people taking steps toward Jesus. Man, this is a this is an incredible day of celebration, and I am certainly looking forward to um, Easter when we're going to um, celebrate together in, in rare form and fashion the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is going to be an awesome day, and so um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But um, if you've got your Bibles or a smart device, I want to encourage you to swipe with me, turn with me to um, the New Testament, that is that the Bible is divided up into these like two large chunks. You've got the Old Testament at the front, and then the New Testament is that second big chunk or section towards the back. And we are going to land in Galatians. It's Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, um, Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to be taking a look at a few verses there in just a moment. But um, do I have any gardeners in the house? Anybody like to plant things? A couple people, I see a couple people. Some of you aren't really sure about that. You're like, well, like, you know, maybe. Like, you only get about here. So nobody that was willing to go, like, all out, yes, um, I'm a gardener. Maybe you've been like me, like you've tried with, you know, previously with some limited success. And so you're unwilling to actually identify yourself as, uh, as a, a gardener. But I can remember um, a, few, uh, a few springs um, back when uh, I decided that I was going to plant some vegetables in our backyard. And I planted some tomatoes and some squash and some cucumbers. And I can remember like I would put the seed in the ground and, 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 and got everything ready and fertilized and started watering them and everything. And I would, I would run back to the backyard, you know, every morning, like when I got up to see like what was going on. And I remember when, when, it like popped in. It actually made that noise. I was there. Some of you don't know because you've never been there to see that. But when the plant, when it actually, the little seedling, when it sprouts through and pushes through the earth, it actually does go boop. It makes that noise. And it comes to, and I remember then, then that turned in and it had some, it had these leaves on it. And then it, then those, those leaves turned into like, like the, the vine started to grow. And then there were flowers and, and those flowers then would turn into, to fruit. And I can remember the tomatoes, they started out, they looked like little green BBs. And then they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'll never forget that first tomato that I pulled off of the vine. I took a bite. I ate it just like an apple. Just, just bit right into it and the, the taste and the flavor. And I was eating a tomato that like I grew, like me. And there's just nothing like eating something that you have produced um, out of the ground that you put the time and the effort and, and the, the intensity into. And, and um, that, that was a, an, an interesting season for me. And, and it was definitely a lot, a lot of hard work. But I discovered something that season that, that um, was, was very important. It's something that I've carried with me ever since. And it's something that I think will make a lot of difference 
um, for, for us here today, if we can grasp hold of this concept. And, and, and it's simply this, that, that where I put tomato seeds in the ground, tomatoes grew. And, and when I put squash seeds in the ground, that's where squash grew. And, and where I planted cucumber seeds, that's where cucumbers grew. And, and, and I think that, that, and you're like, well, duh, you know. But, but I think that, that what, what that means for us today is, is simply this, that, that I know that in, in my life and I, and I see in the lives of others that, that there's a problem that some of us have, myself included. And, and that's, that's a lot of times we expect to produce something different than what we've planted. We expect to produce something different than what we have planted. And we, we find ourselves thinking or, or saying and, and wondering things like, I, I can't figure out why my grades are so poor in this class. Well, well when's the last time you studied? Right? Or I, 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 I don't see why my marriage is so, uh, so rocky right now. Well, when's the, last time you, you, um, when's the last time you told your spouse that you loved them? When's the last time like you set up a date night, just the two of you? When's the last time you, you, you took your underwear off the ceiling fan and put it in the dirty clothes hamper? Can I get an amen from some of the wives in the room? When's the last time you, you did something to, to make an investment in your marriage? Or, or you, look at, you look at your kids, and I'm like, I, I don't know why my kids, they're so unruly, and, they, and it seems like they're so disconnected from me and everything. Well, when's the last time you sat down as a family and you, you ate a meal together at your dinner table, like without the TV on and with, like, cell phones put away and stuff like that? When's the last time you, you sat around in the living room and you watched a movie together or you played a board game together? Some of you are like, I, I, I don't know why, why my finances are in such a wreck. Well, when's the last time you spent less than you brought in? When's the last time you took some money and paid down some debt? When is the last time you, you took a bit of money and, and stuffed it away in a savings account for a rainy day? The problem is, is that we look at a lot of these situations in life and, and, and we can't figure out why they are the way they are. And, and it's ridiculous of us to expect to have produced something that we haven't been planting all along. And so there's this, this idea as I've kind of been thinking through and, and praying over and, and studying and walking through this passage of Scripture, there's this really simple idea that if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write it down. It's kind of the basis of my talk for today, and it rhymes and everything. It's super cool. It's simply this. The seed we sow determines the fruit we grow. The seed we sow determines the fruit that we grow. We sow tomato seeds, we grow tomatoes. We sow squash seeds, we grow. I'm not trying to trick anybody. Like, this is a really easy test that I'm giving you right here. We sow squash seeds, we grow. We sow cucumber seeds, we grow. Yeah, that's right, because the seed that we sow determines the fruit that we grow. And Paul talks about this very thing in his letter to the church in Galatia. Chapter 6 of the book of Galatians, starting with verse 7. We're going to read three verses together. My Bible reads it this way. Do not be fooled. You cannot cheat God. People harvest only what they plant. If they plant to satisfy their sinful selves, their sinful selves will bring them ruin. 
But if they plant to please the Spirit, they will receive eternal life from the Spirit. We must not become tired of doing good. We will receive our harvest of eternal life at the right time if we do not give up. Now, I think that this passage, these three verses, reveal to us three specific things when it comes to the art and the essence of sowing and reaping. And that is, if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about these three things in detail as we walk through this passage together. It is the principle of sowing seed, the practice of sowing seed, and then the promise of sowing seed, the principle, the practice, and the promise of sowing seed. So let's look at that first one together, the principle of sowing seed. Verse seven, Paul writes, do not be fooled. You cannot cheat God. People harvest only what they plant. And so when he uses this term cheating, what he's talking about is cutting corners. A lot of us are, are sowing certain things into our life and, and it's as if we're trying to trick God. Like, like we, sow, we sow works of the flesh and, and, and things of the world into our life Monday through Saturday and then we happen to slide into church you know, a few minutes late on Sunday and check off that box and we think that everything is going to be okay and that that somehow is pleasing unto the Lord. And we find ourselves in this vicious cycle on and on and on. And, 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 and we wonder maybe why, why God isn't pouring out his blessings in our life or why things aren't the way that they are supposed to be. And it's because we are, we're cheating him. We are, we are cutting corners. And Paul says, don't be fooled. You can't do this to God. He sees the way that you're living your life. He sees the seeds that you are sowing. And you are only going to reap the things that you have first planted in the ground. We're not sowing into church attendance on a regular basis. You know, isn't it so easy on Sunday mornings just like, ah, I think I'm just going to roll back over and pull the covers back up. You know, I feel that way. I'm the pastor. There's just something about sleeping on Sunday morning. Like I can't, it's the best sleep that you get all week. I think that's, that's by design on behalf of the enemy. Like that's how he attacks us. It's so easy to just lay, just stay in bed. You know, I'm going to worship at Bed Springs Baptist this morning and listen to Pastor Sheets as he preaches on the comforter. Can I get a witness? You know, like that's how we feel. We don't want to sow into that area of our life. We, we don't want to sow into our into a small group attendance and we would say, ah, I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm so busy this week and I, I've, I've had to work late and I got this and then we got, and, and I'll make it next week. I'll go next time and next time gets pushed off and then, you know, a couple times and then all of a sudden we look up and we haven't been all semester. We don't want to sow seeds into uh, Bible reading and and prayer and the practice of spiritual disciplines in our life. We're so busy. We've got so much going on that we can't manage to carve out five or 10 or 15 minutes to make that a regular part of our everyday life. I just don't have time for that. Just don't have time for that. Or, or, or we, 
We aren't sowing adequately in, in terms of serving others. We're not a part of a serving team here at church. We're not doing anything out in the community to make a difference in the lives of other people. We're not, we're not volunteering our time. We're not giving of ourselves. And, and, and everything that we do, it's, it's, it's pointed at us. It's directed as, at us. It's about me, me, me. And we're not doing anything that's outward focused and that's, that's in favor of and, and supporting and helping other people. We're not sowing seeds in our tithing. We're not, we're not giving back the resources. We're not returning the, what God has blessed us with. And giving those things back to him and, and putting things in proper order where they belong. But it's, our lives have become all about us. And, and, then, and then we sit back and, and we, we wonder why things are in such disarray and there's so much chaos around us and, and that, that God and his, his presence and his blessings seem so far off. It's because we've created this expectation that we're supposed to, to reap something that we haven't sown in the first place. See, we can't fool God by sowing into the flesh in our lives and then expect him to bless us as if we have sown into the spirit. And what happens is we get to this point in our life and we wanna pass the blame along. We wanna blame God, we wanna blame other people for the reason that we are in the situation that we are in. You know what? The farmer never goes out into the field and curses the soil or the sun or the rain for the fact that corn hasn't grown where he planted pumpkins. That's not how it works. But yet we find ourselves in these situations and we wanna, we wanna put it off on someone else. We wanna pass the blame along because it can never be us. It's never anything that we did. It's something that someone else has done to us. It's something that God has done to us. And so we just pass that blame around and we say things like, well, if my teacher only liked me a little bit more, if they would only teach things in a way that, that I could understand it a little bit more, then, then maybe I would have a better grade in this class. Never mind the fact that you don't study for your test and you haven't done one homework assignment the whole semester, right? Or, or maybe if my spouse would start to put my needs ahead of their own, maybe if they, would, if they would show me a little bit of love and care and affection, if they would pay more attention to me first, then my marriage wouldn't be in such disarray. Or if my kids would just, if they would just, if they would just listen, if they would be obedient then, then, and, and fall in line with what we're trying to get them to do, then maybe the family wouldn't be so chaotic. We say things like, or we think things like, if, if God would only bless me with that promotion or with that new job, then I'd have enough money. Then I could start being generous. Then I could pay my tithe. Then I could do these things. But we're expecting to reap a harvest that we have not sown. Stop blaming other people for what you're producing in your life. Stop blaming God for the things that you're producing in your life. If you aren't happy with what you're producing in your life, plant a different seed. It's as simple as that. That is the principle of sowing seeds that whatever we plant is going to be what we are going to produce. That's the principle, which leads us to the practice. When the principle exists, there is a, there's a practice, there's an action that takes place behind it. And the practice of sowing seed is what Paul talks about in verse eight of our passage for today. He says, if they plant to satisfy their sinful selves, their sinful selves will bring them ruin. 
But if they plant to please the Spirit, they will receive eternal life from the Spirit. So when I read that, I see that we have options. There are different kinds of seed in order, or are different, different kinds of seed that we are able to plant in order to grow and to develop things in our life. And there's really two main kinds of those seed, and, and one is seed that sows into the flesh, it sows into the earthly desires, it sows into our sinful selves, and the other seed is that which sows into, um, into the spirit and things that are in accordance with the spirit of God and his word. And Paul actually talked about this earlier, one chapter before in Galatians chapter 5. And he says to the people in Galatians, he says, So I tell you, live by following the Spirit. Then you will not do what your sinful selves want. Our sinful selves want what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit wants what is against our sinful selves. The two are against each other, so you cannot do just what you please. But if the spirit is leading you, you are not under the law. Then he starts to outline these things. The wrong things the sinful self does are clear. Being sexually unfaithful, not being pure, taking part in sexual sins, worshiping gods with a little g, doing witchcraft, hating, making trouble, being jealous, being angry, being selfish, making people angry with each other, causing divisions among people, feeling envy, being drunk, having wild and wasteful parties, and doing other things like these. Some of you thought for a moment, you're like, well, my thing isn't on that list, so I guess I'm good. No, that's why he added in that doing other things like these to be sure that you got lumped in there, like your stuff, it's there, I promise. He says, I warn you now as I warned you before. Listen, those who do these things will not inherit God's kingdom. God's kingdom is a kingdom of life. And so if that means that sowing those things into our lives lead to us not inheriting the kingdom of life, then guess what kingdom we inherit instead? The kingdom of death. That what Paul is saying is that if you are sowing those things into your life, then you are sowing seeds of death. And as we know, we reap what we sow. So if we sow seeds of death, guess what we're going to produce? Death. But the good news is, is that the passage doesn't stop there because Paul says the spirit produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law that says these things are wrong. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their own sinful selves. They have given up their old selfish feelings and the evil things they wanted to do. We get our new life from the Spirit, so we should follow the Spirit. Paul is clear, sowing to the Spirit produces things in our life very drastically different from sowing to the flesh. And that if we're going to sow to the Spirit, it's because we have made the choice to crucify our sinful selves. There is an element of sacrifice involved if you and I are going to sow into the Spirit. But the tension here 
with making this sacrifice and, and choosing as to whether or not we're going to sow into the flesh or we're going to sow into the spirit. The tension is that you and I were born with the proclivity to seek after a Burger King kind of faith. You know, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. At Burger King, you can have it your way. You know, and that's the tension that we want to be people of God. We want to honor him with our lives. We go into a relationship with him with every intention of doing that, but yet we want it on our terms. We want to do it our way. And the Bible is clear. Paul is clear. Jesus was clear. We can't have it both ways. It's not about what we want. It's about what God wants to produce in and through our lives so that he can use us to make a difference for his kingdom. Life in pursuit of the spirit requires that we give up the things that we want, the things that we desire, and instead exchange them for the things of God and the things that he wants for us. There is a cost involved. To follow Jesus, it is a free gift to receive salvation in Jesus Christ, but it will cost you everything. That's what he demands. It will cost us everything. He doesn't want just a piece of us. He wants our whole person, everything, every part of us. He wants it to belong to him. So it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us in our time. Following Jesus and living a life that is pleasing unto him, it costs us time. There are things that we do as Christians that other people don't do. We come to church. We serve. We attend small group. We, we do these things. And like while everybody else, they're going about their, their regular everyday business, we're doing things that the rest of the world isn't doing. Because following Christ, it costs us our time. It costs us our talent. The Lord has given each of you gifts and skills and abilities that he wants to use to make a difference for his kingdom. But you have to be willing to let go of that. You have to be willing to pay that price and, and to, to make investments into his kingdom by using those gifts and talents and abilities. And oftentimes, God is going to put you in a position with those gifts and talents and abilities that he's given you. He's going to put you in a position that makes you uncomfortable in order to use them because he's wanting to grow you and to stretch you. You're like, I don't know about this. I don't know how I feel about that. I can't step up in that way. I can't put myself out there like that. It's because it's going to cost us something and we have to be willing to pay the price. It's going to cost us in our time. It's going to cost us in our talent. It's going to cost us in our treasure. That God has, has blessed us with his provisions. But he asks that we return the tithe, the tenth back to him. Because he wants our whole heart. And he knows that where our treasure is, there our heart is also. It's going to cost us with our testimony. By putting ourselves out there letting other people know what God is doing in our life. That's outside of our comfort zone. Sometimes it's a struggle to tell somebody, hey, like, here's what God's been doing in my life. What? You're a Christian? You go to church? Like, what? There's this expectation 
that we tell the world about the God who sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty of our sin. It's going to cost us that testimony. There's a cost involved to sow into the life of the spirit. There's a cost involved. That is the practice of sowing seed. So we have the principle, we have the practice, and finally, we're gonna take a look at the promise. Verse nine, we must not become tired of doing good. We will receive our harvest of eternal life at the right time if we do not give up. Now, this doing good, this literally means being useful or adding value. Most importantly, to the world around us, to the people that we come in contact with, that that we must not grow tired, grow weary of doing good, of, of being useful and adding value to people that we come in contact with. And can I just be honest sometimes it would be a lot easier for me to just punch somebody in the throat than it would be to show them the love of Jesus. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you are lying to yourself because you have had that same kind of experience in your life. And we get so tired of just showing people love and showing people forgiveness and, and, and on and on and on. And it seems like it's not making any difference. And Paul is admonishing the people and he's saying, don't grow tired of doing good. Don't grow tired of being useful to those around you. Don't grow tired of adding value to them. Don't grow tired of sharing the love and the light and the life of Jesus Christ with them. Just keep on and keep on and keep on. Even if it's seems it's not making any difference. Just keep pushing through. There's a promise that comes along with it. And the promise is that at the right time, we will receive the harvest. So when we do good, we sow into others by this consistent example that just on and on, and no matter what their response is, no matter what their reaction is, that we just continue to do good. We just continue to add value. We just continue to serve. We just continue to love. We just continue to show them Jesus. And that we're actually making an investment in people by our consistent example in that area. Because that's what sowing really is. It's making an investment. We are investing something like, like when, when, whenever you're gonna grow tomatoes, you invest that tomato seed in the ground in order then to produce a yield or a gain. But in order to invest, you have to be first willing to let go. You can't grow tomatoes in the palm of your hand just by holding that seed and clutching it as tightly as possible. That is not going to produce tomatoes. You first have to put that seed in the ground. You have to let it go. You have to take a risk. You have to put it out there and realize that it may not produce. And you put it in the ground and then you, then you water it and, you, and you, you, you till the soil and you fertilize and you care for it. And then over time, something begins to happen. See, sowing seeds is, is like us giving our lives as an investment into something. Our lives become the seeds that we invest into those around us, the people, the world, our communities. 
Our lives are not our own. God wants to use us as an investment in the lives of other people so that we can bring forth a produce of his love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in their life and in their situation. So what are we investing in? Like, is that really what our lives look like? Like, are we living our lives in such a way that that's the kind of investment that we're making? See, like when, when we extend an invitation to someone to come to church, we extend an invitation for them to attend our small group. It, it's not just an invitation, it is an investment. We're putting ourselves out there. There is a risk involved. That person may never talk to us again once they find out that we want them to come to our church. Once they find out that we're a Christian, we're like, we, may, we, we might get made fun of, we could become ostracized, no longer part of the group anymore. Like, we're not gonna hang with that person. There's a risk involved. That's what, uh, that, that's what investment is all about. It's about taking the risk, putting ourselves out there, knowing about the, the fact that, that, that there could be a, 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 a yield or, or a return or a gain produced in the life of someone else. The greatest investment that you could ever make in someone else's life is to extend an invitation for them to take a step towards Jesus. That's it. The greatest investment you could make in someone else's life is to extend an invitation for them to take a step towards Jesus. See, here's the deal. We say that we want people to come to know Jesus as Savior, but is, is what we're sowing in line with that belief? Is the way that we're living our life, the way that we're investing, does it truly line up with that, with that belief that, that we do want, that we would say, yes, I want people to come to Jesus. Are we living our lives in such a way that's making that kind of investment in the, in the lives of the people around us? Or are we growing weary and doing good and sharing the love of Jesus Christ? And I get it, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to just take a step outside your comfort zone, get outside your little bubble and extend an invitation. Like, what do I say? What do I do? Well, you know, Easter's coming up and I wanted to make it easy for everybody. There's a card like this in your seat. I wanna encourage you to take this and maybe you wanna grab a couple, from, a couple extra from the, um, from the empty chairs that are around you from the lobby or whatever. And this is just a simple invitation. It's got all the information that you would need to pass along to somebody to extend an invite for them to come to Easter at Christ's walk. And they're gonna hear the life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And through a simple invitation, you making that, that initial investment in their life, that could be the catalyst toward them taking a step into a life of G, a, 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 a lifestyle and a, and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, that could be all that it takes is simply you saying, hey, this has changed my life and I think it would change yours too. I wanna to invite you to come and be a part of this with me. Well, what happens if they say no? I don't know what happens if they say yes, right? There's no greater investment that we could make than to invite people to take a step towards Jesus. When we sow that kind of thing in, in our lives and in the life of, of people around us, then we are going to produce the kind of product, the yield, the gain that we are after. And I, 
I'm really not like, like it, this might sound a lot like it, but I, I'm not talking about like what some of you may have heard is like a, a prosperity gospel. And I'm not trying to boil this down to just like a, like, a, like a simple equation, like an A plus B equals C. And that if you do this and then you do this and then you go through the right steps and everything, that there is a guarantee in place because it's, it's nothing like that. Because the truth of the matter is sometimes life just stinks. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we have to deal with stuff that we'd rather not deal with. Sometimes even those of us who are living a life that is honoring unto God and that we are sowing seeds of the spirit in our life, sometimes we still have a mess on our hands that we have to deal with. Here's what I know about planting seeds is that we don't plant a seed in the ground and then immediately, boop, see a sprout. It's under the ground for a long time and, and there's a lot of activity going on before we see the result of anything. There's a process involved before, before the yield is realized. It doesn't spring forth from the ground immediately having fruit on it. There's time, there's effort involved. And often sowing and reaping can be a, a very long and difficult and arduous process. And the truth of the matter is, is that in order for life to be produced from the ground, that first the seed has to die in order for that life to come forth. In order for fruit to be born, the seed has to die. It's this idea of sacrifice. It's what Jesus came to do. Some of you thought he was buried. No, he wasn't buried, he was planted. He was planted in the ground and all hope seemed lost until three days later that stone rolled away and what was dead then stepped into life and offers us life eternal. Jesus was not buried. He was merely planted so that he could produce life everlasting. And you may be here today and you would say, I I feel like I've come to the end of my rope. I feel like the the situation that I'm dealing with, I'm just barely hanging on by a thread. You may feel like you've got to look up to be able to see the bottom this morning. You may be here today drowning in a sea of doubt and fear and anxiety and hurt and bitterness and hopelessness, darkness all around. I came here today to tell somebody, hear the word of the Lord. Your situation today may seem dark, but you have not been buried. You have simply been planted so that God can produce his purpose in and through your life. But first, you've got to walk through the process. So don't give up. The sacrifice is worth it. The sacrifice is worth it. Keep pressing forward. Keep pushing on. Keep planting the seeds of the spirit in your life. And watch what happens. Because that's where it begins. It begins when we choose to sow seeds of the spirit rather than seeds of the flesh. After all, the seed we sow determines the fruit that we grow. What might happen if we chose to live that way? What might happen if if we made that shift in our lives and, and started to sow seeds, not according to our own desires, the things that we want, but instead we, we sowed seeds of the Holy Spirit in our life? What might God be able to do in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships? 
How might he be able to move in the midst of our finances where there's way more month than there is money? In what ways could he use us to impact those around us on behalf of the kingdom of God? If the people of this church made a conscious decision and effort to to begin to sow the seeds of the spirit in their life, how might he use us to continue to further reach our community? How might he be able to use the example of those of us who have chosen life in the spirit to show the world around us that the things of this life, both the successes and the struggles, are merely temporary. But the hope that we have is that at the right time, when this life comes to an end, we will receive the harvest of everlasting life. That's the right time. What we're experiencing now, the things that we're walking through now, the stuff that we're dealing with now, it's only temporary. It's not going to last. Don't give up. Don't don't quit. Keep sowing seeds of the Spirit in your life and sit back and watch. And at the right time, God is going to use that. He's going to honor that. And he is going to produce everlasting life, a harvest of life eternal for you at the end of our days here. That's what we, that's why we do what we do. And that's what we're after. Is your hope in that promise today? Is your hope in the promise that at the right time, a harvest of eternal life will be produced in you? If it's not, the good news is it can be. And it's as simple as A, B, C. All it takes for us to trade what is temporary for everlasting life through Jesus Christ is simply to admit, believe, and to choose. We admit that we're a sinner in need of salvation. We believe on Jesus as God's son, that he died on the cross and rose again from the grave, defeating death, hell, and the grave in the process and giving us the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins. And we choose to surrender our lives to him and follow him all our days. If you'd like to do that this morning, I wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me that's on the screen behind me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life, amen. Hey, if, if that's you and you prayed that prayer this morning, I wanna encourage you to tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about the, the decision that you've made, which, which by the way is the most incredible decision that you could ever make in your entire life is to follow Jesus. We wanna celebrate with you. If you, if you wouldn't mind, um, if, if that's you and you made that decision today, simply grab that orange and white connect card that's near you. Fill out your information on the front. There's a place on the reverse side where you can indicate the decision that you've made today to follow Jesus the close of this service, I want to invite you to take that out to the big orange tent outside. There's going to be someone there to greet you. They want to celebrate with you the decision that you've made. And they want to put some resources in your hands to help you start off your Christ walk in the most efficient and effective manner possible. We're in this thing together. We want to partner with you and walk through this life in Jesus Christ together. So be sure and do that. Hey, 
Guys, thank you so much for being here this morning. I'm excited about next week as, as we, um, as we uh, enter into Palm Sunday and then turn our uh, sights towards the Easter season and all that that brings about, the celebration that's taking place, the things that God is doing in and through the lives of the people of this church. And I can't wait to celebrate all those things with you. Don't forget, grab some of these Easter cards, get them out to friends, family members, coworkers, um, perfect strangers, neighbors, enemies, whatever. Um, find somebody on the street and just hand it to them and let them know that we're saving a seat for them at Christ Walk this Easter. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. For more information about Christ Walk, please visit us at thechristwalk.com.